Which one of you young ones can tell me what the Tenth Commandment is? Son, thou shalt not covet. Of course, that's not all of it, is it? That's one of those commands that's longer. Like the Fourth Commandment is quite long. You can boil it down to you shall not covet. I'm going to have mercy on you. Baptists often have three points. I only have one point this morning. All the other words serve that one point, And that point is, you shall not covet. So now you can remember. What is coveting? What does it mean to covet? Wanting possessions. One definition is an unquenchable desire of getting the world. Often that's how I certainly am building my castle, building my kingdom for myself. I want everything. I want it all. There have been some rock songs recorded about that. I want it all, and I want it now. You've got to appreciate the honesty of infants. Because they're the same way as we are. They cry about it, and it's really annoying. But we think the same thing. I want it all, and I want it now. St. Augustine said, to covet is to desire more than enough. We are a discontent people. Enough is a word that doesn't calculate on our registry, at least not well. Because covetous, covetousness drives America. To be American basically means to be covetous. They're almost synonymous. But of course, coveting is not a sin that's new to America, and it's not new to you. You covet, and you come in a long, long line of coveters, which is why we have the command. And so as we read this verse, think in what ways do you disobey God with your coveting? The verse, Exodus 20, verse 17, the 10th, of the Ten Commandments reads like this. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Kids, can anyone perfectly obey the Ten Commandments? I'm getting very sobered. No. And as you get older... As you grow in the grace of the Lord, you realize more and more, I break them more than I ever thought I was even capable of. They tell us how to live, and they show us that we need a Savior. There are multiple uses of the law. They tell us how we should live, and they make us despair of ourselves. The, the law is the schoolmaster that drives us to Christ. Oh. I am that miserable sinner. Listen to the Apostle Paul to the Romans in chapter 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. It's like that big red button on the wall. Don't press this button. All you can do. I wouldn't have known 
Without the law, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Okay, you adults, you big kids, what is required in the Tenth Commandment? The Tenth Commandment requires full contentment. I have said this before. I think that I could preach every sermon from here to the day of my death on contentment and discontentment. The Tenth Commandment requires full contentment with our own condition, with a right and charitable frame of spirit toward our neighbor and all that is his. So if you remember, as we recited earlier and confessed our sins, what is forbidden in the Tenth Commandment The Tenth Commandment forbids all discontentment with our own estate, envying or grieving at the good of our neighbor, and all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is his. Coveting truly can affect and does affect everything in our lives. Think about your home, your vocation, your money, your husband, your wife, or no husband and wife your kids or no kids. A covetous man's thoughts are always about the world. What he wants from the world, he's always thinking about what he has, his house, his yard. I got to get that fertilizer down. Got to get that grass seed down. His cars. Worldly covetous men are reaching for more in this world. Or a covetous man is obsessed with what he does not have. He does not have a wife. Or he does not have a different wife from the one that God has given him. A covetous woman is not content with her husband. A covetous woman is not content with her children or home. She doesn't find joy with the many little blessings God has given her. She always wants a different husband, a different child, a different home, a different body. A covetous child is not content with his father or mother, never being thankful. Christmas morning. Oh, it makes me so furious. I know I was this way as a kid, but one Christmas, this was years ago, it was, I, who knows, what, gift seven or eight or way too many gifts. And one of the kids, honestly, says, is this all I get? Is that it? Kid, I will, I will even present a lump of coal to you next Christmas, and then I will even extract it, like the, like the Grinch in the cartoon. I will take the last speck. It's a bad attitude. You are guilty of coveting when you have taken great pain to get the world and the things in the world, relishing the world, loving the world, and yet have neglected the things of eternity. 
Remember Jesus speaking with the rich young ruler. Which commandments do I need to obey to inherit eternal life? Jesus you shall not tells him, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Notice that first, Jesus doesn't list this one in his response. The rich young ruler says, all these I've kept. He doesn't know himself very well, does he? All these I've kept. Had he obeyed? Ah, maybe. Maybe externally. Maybe in his own imagination he had obeyed. But this, this command, this tenth commandment, shows that we break the law even with the sins that lead up to murder, the sins that lead to adultery, lying, stealing. Jesus has the number of the rich young ruler, and he has our number. Jesus tells the rich man, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. How can I do that, Jesus? Ask some poor schmuck to do that, but not me. This man was full of coveting, and he traded eternity in heaven with Christ so that he could have his possessions here and now. But do you and I look down on the rich young ruler? You know, you, you read Scripture and you're like, oh, that poor fool. What do you think that rich young ruler actually owned? Compared with what you own. Compared with your possessions. If you were given Jesus' ultimatum, how would you respond? Coveting is lusting after what God has not given you, but coveting is also getting your treasure here and now and wanting to get this world. We are materialistic. We love money. It gives us a sense of power. Maybe a decade or so ago, I haven't had the feeling much, but uh, I was suddenly anxious. And I knew that the remedy was that I had to go buy something. I, I, had, I had earned this cash. And I wanted to physically buy something. And I knew it would make me feel better. Because we're temporal. We're worldlings. Apart from Christ and the work of His Spirit. We can covet with our work. A man is covetous when he takes so much work on himself that he cannot find time to serve God. Maybe he said it. Maybe it's attributed. Was it Martin Luther who said, I'm so busy, I have to pray for at least three hours a day. Something like that. Something like one of those saints would say. Thomas Watson You men who are workaholics. Men, we're kidding ourselves. We engage ourselves with all kinds of worldly business. Then we can call ourselves really hardworking, but what is all that to gain, really? Well, for me, it's so that I can get away with neglecting other work. We play mind games with ourselves. 
Oh, not right now. I don't have time for that. You see, I've been so busy with work. Don't get me wrong. Work is good. Jesus is working as His heavenly Father is working. There will be good work to do in heaven. But we're often lazy to do the work that we need to do. We're covetous with our own time. And so that we often don't have time left to serve God and others. I used to drive on route for interstate batteries. And you have a lot of time. You have a lot of windshield time. I could give myself to listening to Scripture, to prayer. I could be praying for you. I could listen to good books. But often, I listen to talk radio or podcasts, which is fine. But often, how, how we are in the morning, we have God's Word that we can read. But maybe we get through that really quickly. Check that off. And then the rest of the day, we'll give ourselves to listening to the things that really matter to us. I need to be current on politics, current events. But if I neglect the heavenly things, I will be far less useful spiritually to my family, to you in this church, to the souls that God has put in my life every day. It's coveting the world as opposed to longing for heaven and for Christ. But back to you workaholics out, workaholics out there. You men deceive yourselves. You put in so much work, which all may be very good work, sure enough. But at what expense? At the expense of your wife and children? God is putting your care. At the expense of prayer and studying God's Word? I'm always floored by Martha and Mary, which I'm going to read here for you. Oh, I'm so tired. I've worked so hard. I just need to relax now. I need to relax. Remember Martha and Mary. Martha was so concerned about all the busy work, all the preparations. She was covetous because she was consumed with worldly work. Let's just read it. It's too good. It's only five verses. It's from Luke 10. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called... Anybody? Mary. That's a, that's a trick. If you think people are doing this, ask an open-ended question. Suddenly, people wake back up. Now you know. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, any of you ladies here consumed with the things of this world rather than the things of God, ladies and gentlemen are both tempted to 
think too much about ourselves, our bodies, for example. Why is my body not like this? We're in a very image-based culture. With that way of thinking, you're shaking your fist at God. Why didn't you make me like that? Don't be covetous of the way God has made other people. You are all fearfully and wonderfully made. Be content. If you are consumed with coveting, you cannot live by faith. Anything done apart from faith is sin. What a devastating verse. If there's any verse that will make you flee to Christ, it's that one. Coveting is a serious sin, brothers and sisters. Several times in Scripture it says that the covetous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Coveting, in other words, will send you straight to hell. Coveting is evil. Okay? Back up a little bit, Turbo. Settle down. Give us some encouragement. How do we fight against coveting? Contentment and faith. How did the Apostle Paul learn to be content in whatever circumstance he was in? In humble means, in prosperity, in hunger, in abundance, in suffering, need. The Apostle Paul had faith in the Lord right where the Lord had him. You in your life believe that what you have and where you are is exactly what God wants you to have and you are where He wants you to be. And what He has not given you in His infinite wisdom, that is His prerogative. It's not meant for you if you don't have it. At least it's not meant for you yet. Maybe you couldn't handle yourself if God gave that to you right now. Mr. Augustine here has a really nice blue Honda. It's fast. And he did not trade me with my uh, Honda Fit. Offered it straight up. I couldn't handle that car. I'm bad enough with the Honda Fit that has the horsepower of any lawn, lawn tractor, basically. It's not meant for me. I can't handle it. I'm too immature. Like a puppy. Well, when am I going to get it? Don't covet. Coveting will lead you to hell. Be content with Jesus. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. If I worry myself about why I don't have what other men have, I don't have their gifts, I don't have their house, I don't have his wife, I don't think I've ever coveted an ox or a donkey, but you understand. But what does the end of verse 17 say? Or anything that belongs to him. Jesus has our number. We're squirrely. I've never coveted an ox or a donkey. I'm obeying God's command. Or anything that belongs to your neighbor? If I covet and worry about all that, then I'm not only worthless to care for the things God has given me, but I also miss the blessings that God has given me with exactly what He has given me. If you want to have a sad, depressing, and worldly life, then please, by all means, 
be consumed with how God has shorthanded you, how he has not given you, fill in the blank, how you really, really deserve, fill in the blank, and tell me how it turns out for you in a couple decades. It won't be pretty because Scripture says, seek him first and he will give you all you need, which is him. Seek him and he gives you himself. Do you covet and wrongly try to change your spouse into something they're actually not, for better or worse? You're the one who needs to change and to be content. You're the one. And if you're not yet married, then become the man or woman who is worthy of marriage. Just learn what God is teaching you if you are not yet married. Do you covet other people's kids? First be content with yours and put in the hard work of training your kids what it looks like to be disciplined and to be godly. Do you covet the spiritual maturity and wisdom of somebody else? Seek Christ. They're spiritual and wise because they love Jesus. Seek Christ and He will give you all He needs and that's Him. The Apostle Paul writes the Ephesians, but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Immoral, impure, covetous, idolater. Not good company there. Because when we give ourselves to immorality, impurity, idolatry, it's wrapped up in covetousness. And when we pursue those evil things, we have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, do you know why men are delaying marriage today? Some women are delaying marriage today. A lot of men are delaying marriage Today, men don't need a wife. They have all the virtual women they could ever possibly imagine to need. Video game women, pornographic women. Why have a real wife when you can have all the virtual women you could ever want? After all, obeying God and loving a real woman, a real wife, that is good hard work. And besides, lusting after women and committing indecency with my eyes and my body, it's really not that bad anyway. I mean, it's not like I'm actually committing adultery. Wrong. You see, this command, you shall not covet, it gets to our hearts. It gets to the root of our sins. The previous commands already covered, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder. God knows us well. If we simply had those commands don't murder, don't commit adultery, then we would give ourselves a pass. We would think that we're obeying God like the rich young ruler because we're conforming externally. But Jesus says, 
because he has our number. He knows our frame. Jesus says in Mark 7, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, it's like the mask of the Red Death, Edgar Allan Poe. That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. This command, you shall not covet, it exposes us. For the lawbreakers that we are, the lawbreakers with our hearts, our eyes, our minds. God, write your law on my heart. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. God has blessed us with this commandment. You shall not covet anything so that we will not give ourselves to lust, to fornication, to adultery, to immorality. Just go back up the commands so that we will not have other gods before Him. This command, you shall not covet, is given to us so that we will give ourselves to contentment. I'm content with my home, with my wife, my husband, my children, my job, or the lack thereof. I am content. It is well. If you don't know that hymn and the story behind it, go Wikipedia or whatever. It is well, the hymn. I am content. It is well. The best way to fight covetousness is to be content with what God has given you. You really think you would be happy with another wife who is not your current wife? Or you wives who are covetous for a different husband other than the one he has given you? You really think so? I mean, I can also light a stick of TNT and blow it up, but that doesn't make it a good idea. Don't pursue covetous things. God will see to it that you are not happy with them. Singles, be content with what God has given you. Be content now with what God will give you then in His timing and according to His will. And then, if and when you are married, obey this command by giving yourself to what God has given you and glorifying God thankfully. Children, young men and women, put coveting to death now while you're young. Please. Don't waste your life coveting. God has given you all you need. God will always give you everything you need. And all of us, your neighbor, your classmates, your friends, whoever God has put in your life, they have something. God has given it to them. He has blessed them. Be thankful for that. Because in the end, God has given you the gift of Himself. Jesus is what we need. Let's pray.
Gracious Heavenly Father, may Jesus Christ be praised. And with these things, we shall be content. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.